Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of the Pointy Hatcast. I am your host Sam, also known as Ducky O'Brien on Twitch. And we are joined today by our co-hosts, fellow Fast and Furious Space Motorcycle Holograms, Barry. What's up? And Isaiah. Hey, what's up? Today's episode is on a roller coaster of a movie, Star Trek Beyond. Our email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Please send us any questions or comments as well as any requests for movies for us to watch. Again, our email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Star Trek Beyond was released on July 2016 in the US. It was directed by Justin Lin of the Fast and Furious fame. The screenplay was written by Simon Pegg and Doug Chung. It stars Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Carl Urban. Oh man, Zoe Carl Saldana. Urban. Yeah, Carl Urban is uh, one of my favorite actors now. And Simon Pegg, John Cho, Anthony, oh, Anton Yelchin, rest in peace. Idris Elba, mm. and many more. Currently, as of this podcast, it has a Rotten Tomato score of 86% for critics and 80% for audience. The crew of the USS Enterprise explores the furthest reaches of uncharted space where they encounter a new ruthless enemy who puts them and everything the Federation stands for to the test. Can I just start by saying that the casting for this film was just incredible? It's Absolutely. sad because everyone Yelchin fits is dead. so well. Yeah. yeah. I, I honestly had my doubts when they originally cast everybody for the first movie. Mm-hmm. And after seeing them, I was... I was really blown away. Like, everybody does an incredibly good job at not just representing the characters, but giving, like, their own take on what are oh, very yeah, beloved absolutely. classic characters from uh, from TV. Especially, especially um, Chris yeah. Pine. Um, yeah, Zachary especially Quinto as well. Yeah, and Zachary Quinto, yeah. yeah. I had my doubts with that one. Because he was, uh, what was his face on Heroes? Salar? Yeah, he was the the creepy psychopath on on Heroes. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was <laughs> that like that was his that was his big thing right before this. And creepy then he's Spock. Psychopath. Yeah, he's Spock. Yeah. Like, well, that's two different things. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess they're both kind of creepy psychopaths in a way. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But Star Trek Beyond is of note because it came pretty soon after Leonard Nimoy had passed away. Um, in real life, it was it was super sad. I think the the movie includes a nice little uh, send-off to him at the end as well. And one of the things I really, really liked about the movie is that they tastefully gave a nice goodbye to Leonard Nimoy and kind of wove it into the script, which I think was just absolutely great. Um, normally, you, I mean, you would just wouldn't get anything like that. They'd be like, oh, that sucks. Just write him out of the script. Yeah, him, or uh, CGI him, you know? Yeah, or just CGI his face. And it was a, it was a nice nice little send-off, and I thought that was that was really good. And also a nice um, a kind of semi, semi-send-off to to Anton Yelchin, is that right? That's his name, right? Um, who passed away also. <laughs> he died in a, in a pretty a pretty sad way. Uh, I guess he got pinned by his own car that yeah, slid the, down his Something driveway. wrong with the gears, and it rolled back on him. And he... He got stuck like that, and he died like that because no one could help him. Yeah, pretty yeah. sad stuff. But that's just wonderful. Oh, yeah. Man. Do you know what makes me angry though? Because like, I didn't know that he passed away. So I was watching interviews, and there's one mm-hmm. with Carl Urban on like a morning talk show, and they're talking about like how he passed away, right? And you can see that he's 
he's visibly affected. Uh, he's very sad. And then they're like, all right, now let's go play a game. And the host, and I was like, are you serious right now? Like, they have no respect for human life. You know, just take a moment there to recognize that this man is visibly upset that, you know, like not just a coworker, obviously there, there's some friendship there passed away and they're just all about that show. And it's just like, oh, these guys aren't human. And then like Carl yeah. Urban, though, he just powered on, you know, it showed that he's Carl a great Urban actor. Carl Urban is a consummate professional. It, it made my opinions of him so much higher and opinions of that morning show so much lower. It was very low to begin with, but yeah. Which brings me, I guess, to my first point, which is that regardless of my opinion of the movies themselves, I think the cast is just absolutely impeccable. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. They're just fantastic, and I think, especially after the first one, I think they're all just having a great time on set together. You know, yeah, yeah. they have great, great chemistry together, and I think if you if you look at some of the behind the scenes stuff, they're all just laughing and having a great time on set. So it's always good to see, rather than miserable people making a movie they don't want to do. <laughs> DC, sex Superman. So I guess I guess I'll I'll start by giving my roundabout thoughts on the movie. Overall, this is the third movie in the saga. It's probably the last one, um, given everything. Probably. Probably. Yeah. They can always drag that corpse out of the closet and just... Yikes. Know, beat, some, <laughs> beat some life into it and scrape some few dollars out, but I, I think it's the last one. And I think I like it. I think it's my second favorite one after the first one. The second one was definitely the weakest, I think, um, with uh, Eggs Benedict Cumberbatch. I loved Ex Benedict. Yeah, but he was like the only good thing about that movie. <laughs> that is very true. God, God. <laughs> Felt like it was some kind of anime, you know? Oh my gosh! I think that the writing is a little bit uneven, but there are parts that are really great, and I think this this movie in particular is probably as close as we're gonna get to the to like the TV show as far as tone and writing. Um, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna get Star Trek the original series or even Star Trek the Next Generation on the silver screen in any sort of palpable form, based on the TV series. It's too boring, and if you try to make it not boring, it's just gonna be bad. Which is proven by all the movies they tried to make, which were re- extremely bad. <laughs> uh, Star Trek Nemesis, anyone? Ugh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are moments where, like, the stupidity just shines through, and, like, some of them are really bad, some of them are, like, bad in a fun way, and I suspect, um, you know, as a fan of Simon Pegg, I'm gonna place all the blame on the producer, which is, uh, David Orchi, like, he's part of, like, the Bad Robot crew, I think, and they, they have, like, this, this tendency to... To favor like emotion and pacing and sizzle rather than stuff that makes sense, which is why I don't know. J.J. Uh, Abrams did the first one, obviously, and that was like a lot of fun. And then you start thinking about it, and you're like, "This this introduces some problems." <laughs> all all the stuff they've done has introduced some problems as far as plot and characterization because of 
you know how how they kind of introduce characters and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of meandering a little bit here. I think I like the movie. I don't think I loved it, but I definitely like the movie a lot. What did you think, Isaiah? Yeah, I guess I'm the same way. I'd say I enjoyed the film, but I didn't like it as much as I did the first Star Trek film. And I really did like Eggs Benedict. Wonderful, wonderful actor. Just because I'm such a big fan of Sherlock. Oh, yeah, so much screen presence. Also a delicious breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I love Eggs Benedict. Eggs Benedict, I think is the one dish you do not want to get unless you have a lot of faith in the restaurant you're at, by the way. Oh, no. I, I roll those dice every time. Ugh. Because yeah. a lot of places... Because the sauce is quite difficult to make from scratch. It's like, a, it's like a massive pain in the ass to make from scratch. So they'll just like make a tub of it, and it'll sit there for like a week. Yep. And you're like, oh, man, I hope I'm, I hope I'm here at the start of that week. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Or they don't even make the sauce correctly sometimes. It's just like a adjacent sauce. Like similar but not the same. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the film was... I guess... Yeah, it was like there was steaks. But at the same time, I just felt like there weren't steaks. I was just like, oh no. This woman has tricked them. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, another space MacGuffin. I, like, I just didn't care, you know? Like, this film gave me such little reason to care. So I was just like, uh, I guess it's interesting, and I really like the characters, but the storyline just means nothing to me. And Simon Pegg is amazing. Simon oh Pegg as Scotty God. is everything I wanted to be and more. What a what an incredible actor. And he wrote the script, too. Really? He was, he was co-writer for the script. Oh, dang, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. the other writer shows up as Sulu's, I'm assuming, partner. He's yeah. a cameo. I, I actually like that part quite a bit. They just kind of acknowledged um, Sulu as being gay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, it was just like a fast little moment. I like it. that hidden? <laughs> it's interesting how, how they like kind of melt together like real life, the actors' real life personas with, with their on-screen personas. Yeah, yeah. Way. It's interesting. Yeah, you kind of just see everyone have a little bit of themselves infused in their characters. It's really enjoyable. Yeah, overall, this movie was probably my least favorite of the three. Honestly, I, I liked it worse than Eggs Benedictine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my. Yeah. But um, overall, I guess it, it was fun. It's like a somewhat fun film. Not the. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just can't praise this movie that much. I, I just wasn't that entertained. And that's mostly what these movies are, right? They're mostly just entertainment factor. I just wasn't... Yeah, wasn't that entertained. Besides, like, wanting to see the interactions between characters. Which is all Star Trek is, right? Just, like, the relationship between these characters and, like, their misadventures. Yeah, I think I, th- I think in, uh, that's the one thing that I think this movie did better than the other two. Is, is put, the, put the characters together a little bit more and give them more to do. But other than that, like, the main... You're right, the main plot thrust is, like, whatever. It's a more... You're more generally more invested in like the moment, right? Like, like oh no, he's falling off a cliff with his escape pod, or like <laughs> <laughs> you need that. You're like, oh, the vehicle hits the cliff, it's hanging there. You gotta climb out before it falls over. Yeah, just moments. I of just, like... I just like seeing Simon Pegg doing little action set pieces. I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he looks like he's he lost a lot of weight though. Like for that movie, Simon Pegg. 
He, uh, I don't know. He just looked really gone. Maybe it's I think age. He's always, I think he's just getting old, dude. <laughs> yeah, I think he's, he's just, just getting, getting on. <laughs> frail. <laughs> Not oh, frail, yeah. but more like, you know, like you can see some just, just wrinkles, you know. Signs of age. Yeah. Yeah, people saggy. get older. That's going to be us in a couple of years. <laughs> Don't say that. We're still young. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. To me, it was just very middle of the road. Okay. It's like huge. Supposed to be huge action set piece. Big Hollywood summer blockbuster. But it was just whatever. Not the worst movie I've ever seen, but not the best. <laughs> yeah, what did you think, Sam? Yeah, I actually like this movie a lot. Also, I'm going to say I liked it a lot, but I also realized that it's a pretty poor movie if you look at it in terms of like like core competency of filmmaking. So yeah. I'll just go over the why I liked it. First of all, I like I want to clarify, I enjoy the heck out of this movie. I, I'm watching it through my second time right now in this week. I didn't get to finish it, but like when you watch it, it's it's really fun. Like the reason why I like it so much is the same reason why I like TV shows. It's not like, I don't imagine this movie as a standalone movie. I imagine it as a window into this universe where you can see these characters, they live in this universe. And you're like, I like these characters, so I want, I'm invested in them. Like, I want to know what they do. I want to know what crazy adventures they go on or like the boring stuff that goes on. So the same reason why I love TV shows like uh, iZombie or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Those are two of the ones that I watched recently or like anything in the past. They're not necessarily good. <laughs> like, you know, I admit that, but like, I love the characters. Yeah. So that's why I, I like this movie a lot because, again, like the actors did such a good job portraying these characters. Like Barry said before, we, I think we all agreed on it. And it's just like, you, you can't help but like him. <laughs> like, I think that's incredible considering how crappy the writing or editing is in some parts of this movie. Also, I really like the action. I think it's, Nails it on the head. It's really stupid action. So, like, there's a part where the Enterprise is literally surfing through exploding wave of drones. Like, a, a tidal <laughs> wave. And I'm just like, this is actually stupid if you think about it in real life. But, like, for this type of movie that you want, like, dumb action, it's epic. Like, what more can you ask for, right? Or, like, they're fighting through the Enterprise's um, the saucer section, and he just ignites... The thrusters is slowly tipping over, and they have to run through that thing, and they're sliding down it. And I'm just like, oh man, that's that's some incredibly strong fabric on their uniforms that <laughs> they're getting burned. And then they make it out, and then the pink girl, you know, like instead of pink guy, she just got squished. I'm like, that's what you get, pink girl. It's the birth of Joja now. <laughs> but yeah, filthy Francine. But uh, got her comeuppance. Yeah, come on. it's it's great. Like the action in it is genuinely it's really stupid but in a good way. And there's like a motorcycle scene where he's just literally driving around in a circle. The Tom Cruise scene. The Tom Cruise scene. It goes on, it drags on for a little too long in my opinion. He doesn't do anything of importance, but like for dumb action, awesome. I love the characters. Also there's some really nice character moments in mm-hmm. the movie, like when Kirk is talking to Bones at the very beginning, a little exchange about not wanting to celebrate the birthday. It's the day that his dad died. He's one year older than his dad would have been. Um, he's going to call his mom. Like, uh, that happened yeah, yeah. in that short exchange. Yeah, it's really good. And there's more with Spock talking to Bones and talking about why, like, how the death of Spock affected him. It's a nice tribute. 
beyond like him looking at like a little little hologram or data pad of, of Spock's, you know, death and birth, right? They're talking about him and like how it changed his perspective on mortality, uh, his relationship with Uhura, like all of that. It's really good. Like it's it's there. It's what you want to see. So you think it's ideal, but then here's the parts that I don't like. All right. So again, I love the movie. I love the characters. I, I love everything about it. It's just that when I look at it, there's some things that it does poorly, and uh, it doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie. Like I complain a lot. It doesn't mean I hate it. It's just a little nitpicking here and there because I feel like it had potential to be more. So here's the parts that I don't like. So I think the editing is really poor in that it follows like this TV trope of you give a little bit of plot exposition and then you undercut it with an action sequence or like something that creates high tension and then it cuts to another scene right away. In the middle of it. Yeah, yeah in the middle of it. Yeah. So if it, if it <laughs> yeah. does it once or twice, it's okay. But if it does it multiple times in a row, it does this thing where the tension doesn't mean anything anymore. And it doesn't let the, the viewer like kind of digest what they're viewing. So like example, Spock and Bones are in one of the the huts on the planet that they crash into and they're like, Oh man, this artifact, this doomsday device came from this planet. There's a little bit of plot there. It's like, okay. And then Spock collapses. It's like, ah, oh. Spock, Spock. And it cuts. Cuts to Scotty and uh, emo alien girl. <laughs> emo alien and then she's girl. Like, is, this is your home, right? And it's like, no, mm-hmm. this is your ship. Cuts to an uh, image of the Franklin nameplate. Scotty says, oh my good lord. The music rises and then cuts to another scene. Yeah, It's Sulu and Uhura. They're escaping from their prison. The little alien guy sneezes on the lock. It melts it. And then they're like looking. And it's like, oh my god. This guy has been spying on Yorktown. And us this entire time. Music is rising throughout this entire scene, by the way. It starts out with really high when they escape for some reason. I don't know why, because there's no guards around. And it's going tense and tense. And then they see the scene. And then robot guards come in. Cut. <laughs> like, come on. Anytime. There's like, oh, there's going to be some actual action. It's like, nah, screw you. Nah. Or like anytime <laughs> there's like exposition, you're like, you know that something's going to happen. Either a joke or uh, something comes in and stops it right away. And for me, this, is, this works in TV because you get a commercial break after that. So it ends on a cliffhanger or a tense scene. You get the commercial break. That lets yeah. the viewer digest what happens, kind of let it die down a little bit. Also wants to view, like the viewer wants to stay and watch because it's like I want to know what happens next. But in a movie where it's like back back to back, it just creates this disappointment and and like oh nothing's gonna happen. You're you're like you're you're mm-hmm. making the viewer expect it to be disappointed. <laughs> so I think it's really jarring, like how yeah. Like, you're just watching, and it's like, oh, I wonder what happened. Oh, oh, what? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, dude. And and here's another part, too. Also, like, they don't really establish the characters a lot, uh, the side characters. So, Crawl, Idris Elba, this alien guy. Yeah, yeah. He wasted this incredible actor to make a villain that looks really stupid and sounds like (laughs) he's stupid, too. And, like, it doesn't establish him as someone to be feared or anything he's just like oh he's just a guy who may or may not be good at fighting we don't know 
And then he's like, all right. He wants to save the Federation from itself. That's literally what Pink Girl says. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, and then it cuts to a chase sequence. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so like, there's no there's no establishment of this character. Um, there's a little bit where it's like Captain Kirk when he first meets. They're like, oh, I guess they he knows him somehow. But then it doesn't really dwell on it. So it's like shown as not important, right? And so like all these things that are supposed to de- develop sorry, develop these side characters are shown as not to be important. And so when there's the final payoff for the villain, you're like, oh, he's Idris Elba. He was the captain of the Franklin. I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, was I was why should care? Yeah, like, that said, though, that said, I wish they started off with them meeting Idris Elba as a captain who's in distress. And then they get to, you know, like each other. There's, like, this camaraderie and friendship that develops. Like, he understands what Kirk is going through because they try to establish this theme of uh, finding yourself instead of being identified by your, your father, right? Living in your father's shadow. Yeah, yeah. Who, yeah, right? right. And yeah. then and then this Idris Elba comes in and is like, I identify with you, right? He could have been the Jake Gyllenhaal, the Mysterio to Spider-Man. <laughs> the Mysterio. <laughs> you know, and they, yeah, he's not a bad guy. He just, you know, I mean, Mysterio is a bad guy, but like Idris Elba <laughs> could have been like the bad guy who's not a bad guy. And, and they just waste that potential and then and that actor. Uh, that's, that's, I'm going to, I'm just going to end it there. But yeah, like I, again, I love the movie. I actually love it. I don't think it's a good movie. But I love the movie, it, the the characters and the universe it created. Uh, but like as a work of cinema, very poor. Also, the logic in it fails. Why the heck does Krull need a bio weapon when he has a invincible army of drones that he could just destroy the Enterprise in like a few minutes? And he's Mysterio. destroying Yorktown. And he, yeah, like I guess yeah. Mysterio, like uh, he's destroying Yorktown in like a few minutes too, if you wanted to. But it's like, no, I gotta use his bio weapon. I'm like, you're an idiot, Crawl. You deserve to die. <laughs> Anyways, back to you, Barry. Speaking speaking briefly about the Yorktown, I, I absolutely hated the way they introduced Yorktown, the set. Um, yeah, yeah. If you remember, like the the Enterprise docks in and then it does like these series of like sweeping, rotating camera moves around the station that give you uh-huh. no sense of space. <laughs> And then, like, I'm like, I'm going to throw up sitting in my chair with the motion sickness <laughs> this is giving me. I'm like, guys, come on. Come on. This is like, isn't it a rule in camera work to never rotate across your horizontal axis more than a certain amount in a certain time? Because it's going to give people motion sickness, right? And they did it, like, over and over and over again. Like, this big glamour shot for Yorktown. I'm like, I get it. Please stop. I threw up in my mouth a little bit already. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, I love the look of the base. It left me some questions as to how much of a frontier they can be on when, like, this massive super mega city with, like, a bajillion people on it is, like, five minutes away. Like, how unexplored could it be? <laughs> you know? It's weird. Um, by the way, the when when Scotty meets Kirk in the little lounge to celebrate his birthday, they're, I'm going to have to mention this in every movie we ever watch. He's drinking 30-year Glenfiddich, which is a space-side single malt 
it's very expensive because it's, it's a thirty-year, thirty-year yeah. scotch, and they, it's it apparently stole it from, um, um, from Anton Yelchin. Yep. It's like, oh, I just thought he was a vodka man. I'm like, oh, that's stereotyping Russians. <laughs> that's racist. <laughs> yeah, that, that's racist. But I've had Glenfiddich. Um, I'm actually not a big fan. Really? Even though I'm a big whiskey, I'm not a big fan of Glenfiddich. Uh, I'm, Is it space size in general? No, it's not. I mean, I, I love smoke. Okay, I drink oh, okay. only whiskeys all day long. Oh, okay, but it's a space side, so it has like different characteristics. I'm more, I more enjoy like Highlands or like uh, Islas. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all about the smoke, dude. All about the Islas. Mm. Uh, all about the that. smoke. Anyway, just a quick alcoholic aside, because I have to mention it. Every time you see alcohol in a movie, it's clear product placement, by the way, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure they paid top dollar to get their, their bottle of booze shown on the screen featured probably. Well, how much does that bottle cost? Like an estimate? <sighs> That's a great question. Several hundred dollars at least. Yeah, definitely okay. over 200 well, yeah. What about like a bottle of Yamazaki or whatnot? Whatever that's uh, called. It's overpriced, uh, but like just the regular Yamazaki. Or the I, I don't Yamazaki know. I'm 12? just. I don't know anything about uh, the regular whiskey. Yamazaki. I think is either eighty or one hundred twenty, if you can find it, which is difficult to find. That's okay. rare. Yeah, if you're talking about the sherry cask, then probably like four or five thousand dollars. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's difficult to find. Almost impossible to find, actually. Yeah, um, nowadays. <laughs> Like the prime, like the primary market value was, I think, three hundred fifty something like that. But like the like the black market value is now, or gray market value, I guess, is is yeah, several yeah. thousand dollars. Wow. Um, Thirty year old Glenfiddich is eight, about eight hundred bucks. Ooh. Okay. No, I was just Steve. asking because, like, uh, I saw that like PewDiePie had a bottle, and I was just thinking maybe if we make it, we'll have a nice collection of of whiskeys on the in the studio. Yeah, in the in the long in the scheme of things, I mean, sure we can do that, but you not not with not with like a Yamazaki, like not with a sherry cask. I'm, I'm you thinking don't... more Jameson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> told more do. You, you do not okay. need to spend. Listen, you do not need to spend that much money to enjoy whiskey. Okay, you can get very very nice whiskey for like it's all about 30, the flex, 40 dude. bucks a bottle. It's the flex. Yeah, I mean that's that's all it is. It's the no, flex. exactly. I mean, like like a bottle of Blue Label is inordinately expensive, and it's not it's like really two hundred something. That great. And it's not yeah, that it's, good. It's not that good. <laughs> it's not that good. I've had I've had whiskey for twenty dollars that was better than than Blue Label. Um, it's all about flexing. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I've I've had some ultra rare like incredible whiskeys, and they taste great. But do they taste eighty dollars a pour great? I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my, eighty dollars a pour. I don't. I really don't know. Yep, eighty dollars a glass. I mean, I didn't pay for it, but I mean, that's how much it costs. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm not gonna unless it's a very special occasion. I could pay eighty dollars for a pour. Oh, well, that's a pretty special occasion, man. It's gonna have to be like maybe firstborn son. I don't know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, those kind of a long aside. Um. Let's talk a little bit about why we're calling this the Fast and the Furious Star Trek, Star Trek Drift, because <laughs> uh, the director is also a director from Justin Fast Lin. and the Furious, Justin mm-hmm. Lin. Taiwanese-American director. 
Man, I think Wait, I he think... worked on Community. <gasps> that's lit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sam wants to throw some, throw him under the bus and blame him for some of the dumb stuff in this film. I don't I don't think he's to blame. Really? I, I think I, I, I think I'm gonna put it on the producer. Okay, fair enough. I'm okay. gonna put it on okay. the producer. I mean, there's probably some some goofy stuff in here that's from him and Simon Pegg or whatever, but I think genuinely, it's it's down to the producer. Wait, wait, wait. Listen to this, okay? 2013, How to Be Asian, executive producer. 2013 runner tv series 2015 hollywood adventures producer 2016 star trek beyond <laughs> how, how in the span of three years do you go from making essentially youtube videos to working on star trek okay know. oh actually he worked on fast and furious in 2016 maybe not yeah yeah i came from oh, fast okay, and furious. okay i don't remember which one he worked on there have been so many <laughs> yeah there's too many there's way too many but i think i think he he's he's pretty good at I think he did a, did a fine job. I think he did a fine job turning Star Trek into Fast and Furious. It's about he did family. Fast and the Furious Six. <laughs> it's about family. It's about family. He did, <laughs> he did Fast space. and Furious. <laughs> family in space. Oh man, Vin, Diz- Vin Diesel should have been in this movie. It would have been great. We need Groot. We need Groot, dude. Groot? Oh no. Groot. I am Groot. Well, you can see a little bit of his, of his influence, like uh, in the in the way like scenes are arranged, especially the motorcycle scene. <laughs> I yeah, I'm just like this isn't Star Trek, but it's fun. It's dumb fun. Yeah, exactly. It's just fun. I just want to say that there was a severe lack of lens flares in this film. <laughs> there were nearly not enough. Oh yeah, there's a lot less lens flare. Not to mention it. I wonder why. Well, because. Jeez. Because J.J. Uh, Abrams. <laughs> I think yeah. because they didn't spend very much time on the ship itself. Like, That's it's there for a little too, bit, yeah. and then it gets immediately, like, blown up. Exploded, yep. And I'm really, I'm wondering whether it's just, like, they wanted to write it that way, or maybe they just had less money. <laughs> um, no I think way. probably both. Yeah, because, like, they want those action sequences, and it's easier to have on on a planet than inside of a ship, you know? I do kind of like that they uh, went to like the jank ass old ship, the the Franklin. I thought it was kind of cool. I liked all the stuff around like getting that ship to fly and like just throwing it off the edge of the cliff. Like this makes sense. Understand? <laughs> <laughs> Starship. They're not supposed to launch logic, you know? yeah. from the planet. And you're like, wait, but last movie they literally hid the ship underwater. But space. <laughs> space. <laughs> But Haas, <laughs> this film doesn't make sense, man. I have to talk about that for briefly too, because as they've as, as they I think they mentioned this in fuck like Futurama, but a a star a starship is designed for between zero and one atmospheres of pressure, <laughs> right? So if you Made put it vacuum, underwater, yeah, yeah in vacuum. Crumple. So you yeah. put it underwater, and you're like, oh, look, what, what is this positive pressure from the outside? What is this? I'm not designed for this. And then it just, like, crumples into a tiny ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. But, yeah, it's just like, okay, we need a quick action set piece here, so we're going to throw this starship off a cliff. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not a sci-fi movie. It's a, It's an action movie. Science fantasy, science action. It's a science fantasy movie. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. All the character stuff is great, though. 
I like that we get to see. I don't know, Simon Pegg gets a little bit, a lot more to do in this movie. He gets to hang yep. out with Jayla, who's played by Sophia Butella, notably from another movie that we've reviewed, Kingsman. She was the cute femme fatale with the, <gasps> with the blade legs. legs. The blade yeah. legs. Yeah. yeah she's, uh, she's definitely a cute alien, though, I gotta say. Dancer, model, Absolutely. and actress. Huh. Yeah. Crazy. Very solid. I really, I really liked her character. Like, I like the shouting and the beats. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh. it actually it actually feels like kind of like a, a star trek character like like a random alien they find on a planet from the series you know there's like a little bit innocent kind of dangerous very interesting i liked i liked her character a lot i like that interaction with simon Pegg. it's like he adopted a daughter yeah a very dangerous white like pale skinned white daughter <laughs> yeah <laughs> with a staff and holograms that likes Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> like it, the movie, the song would have fit if it wasn't Star Trek. You know, like Fight the Power. Like what was in the first movie though? It was like in the opening sequence. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying it would have been okay just for not Star Trek. You know, like it would have made sense. Yeah, it's it's really weird in a Star Trek film, but it was so dumb and so good. I guess we have to talk about that scene now because I told you before you watch this movie. It's going to be the best, dumbest, dumbest, best okay. moment in film. There, there are two <laughs> dumb scenes that really stuck out to me. Stuck out to me. So first is, you know, Kral is looking for a doomsday device. And then he he's looking at the con recording and somehow figures out, even there's no context for it, that one of the crew members must have had it. Goes and tries to absorb Sulu. And then Crabhead Lady's like, wait, I'll give you what you want. <laughs> and then it just slowly opens her crab head and she's stuck in the back of her head. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then he like, picks it up and it's like a little moist. I'm like, oh, that's nasty. What the heck, dude? <laughs> so that was like one, like one of the stupidest scenes I've ever seen ever in a movie. Uh, like a cinema history. I'm just like, I was taken aback. I was actually jarred out of my movie viewing experience. And then the second one is the I'm assuming you mean the tidal wave where it's just surfing the tidal wave. Yeah, where they're ride where they're riding a wave in space and blowing and blowing up a fleet of drone ships with beastie boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I watched this in the theaters and I'm really? like this is what am I watching? <laughs> this is incredible. That, yeah, this is incredible. that was incredible. I was like a whole group of friends, and we were just laughing our asses off the entire scene. <laughs> and, and like just after like, it, we just turned to each other, and that was like, we we're like, that was so dumb, but that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, amazing. See, that's awesome, dumb. The crabhead lady is just dumb, dumb. <laughs> quality content. The quality he's like, content. He's like riding it like like a tsunami through space. And you're like, whose idea was this? <laughs> so why are they exploding? With the power of music. Yeah, just playing music on a space radio, and they're exploding because they can't handle the music. I would figure they're just like you know, there's a little disoriented or whatnot, but they're actually just exploding. I mean, whatever. They gave some techno babble explanation. Just, they're just it's whatever. Because reasons. Movie because logic reasons. is why. Because science. Because science said it should be that way. Exactly. Neil deGrasse Tyson approves. <laughs> <laughs> There is some real inconsistency with the like, like the drone things too, right? Because sometimes it seems like there's like thousands of them, and then like in that final action set piece, there's like a bajillion of them. 
It's like they're enveloping the entire like space station. You're like, wow, what do you need this super weapon for? Just That's kill what everything I said. with the drones. <laughs> they're they're invincible too. So Just like, pop that know, like pathetic shit's... looking bubble that's protecting yeah. this. It's like, whoop. oh, everyone's dead from de- explosive decompression. It, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. If yeah, only space he was station more like was Mysterio, dude. Right, he should have been like Mysterio is the villain. Now this movie. is an Avengers level threat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, come on, you have. Uh, where did you find these massive drone army just lying a dormant on a planet? Picks it up, all of a sudden becomes their leader somehow. Nothing's really explained. I'm just like, bro, you want to destroy the Federation? You can, you can do that with the drones. You don't need the Doomsday device. Come on, come on. I kind of want to talk about the action, but there's actually not that much to talk about. There's like uh, the motorcycle scene. The motorcycle <laughs> scene. There's Is that like even that. considered like an action set piece? Of course yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like. Of course it is. No, dude, it's just a Tom Cruise moment. It's it's not an action scene. It's just a Tom Cruise moment. <laughs> It was even he Chris was, Pine, he was, was Tom, Tom Cruising, bro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was Tom Cruising his way to victory. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a good one. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's uh, uh, the saucer scene where they're like fighting on the downed ship. That was great. It mm-hmm. was like slowly was rotating cool. upwards. Yeah. Yeah, it was a cool little set piece. Um, there's that last. S- Last action set piece that's like immediately after they ride that tidal wave of drones on the Yorktown, <laughs> and now they're in the Yorktown, and it's like, um, they're just like fist fighting in this like glass cube in midair. It's like, it's kind of weird, it's kind of a weird way to end the movie. I guess, I guess it's they kind of end the second movie basically the same way, right? It's just Khan and yeah. Spock fighting on the ship floating yeah. ship thing that honestly that fight scene was so funny to me though it's like it's so clunky looking right yeah <laughs> it reminds me of like that one famous episode of like him fighting the monster hand to hand but it's like clearly a terrible costume yeah it's like that level oh, of like choreography the, you know <laughs> the zorn i think it was called the zorn the zorn the lizard like thing lizard yeah, creature? yeah 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 the mini fighting on the set, fighting on the set of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Exactly, dude. <laughs> That's where that was shot, by the way. Wait, no, actually... I'm sorry, Bogus Journey. Bogus Journey. Oh, Bogus Journey. Oh yeah, where they're, they're on the, the desert. Rock. Yeah, yeah. That, that rock formation that was in it's in Power Rangers too. It's in every fucking movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. I mean, they do like a direct homage to it in Bill and Ted. And then yeah, I think the action was all right. It was okay, which is weird from coming from an action movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's because, like, you have to make it sci-fi, so, like, the action has to be, it's covered in the trappings of a quote-unquote sci-fi environment, so, like, you know, you can't do things typical in an action movie. Oh, maybe you could, they did have motorcycles, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were cruising. Uh, Tom cruising. Tom that's cruising. A, that's a good one. Tom cruising. <laughs> All uh, right, I'll go now. <laughs> All right, yeah. If if you if you don't got much more to cover, why don't we just end this one early and have our closing thoughts? Any last things you want to say, and then give our rating score. And 
Oh, quick, quick uh, mm-hmm. trivia tidbit. Uh, Zol Saldana has been in. Oh my god! Three yeah ultra high grossing films. <laughs> She's like blockbuster gold for some reason. She yeah. Somehow. She was in. No, she was in Avatar, Avengers mm-hmm. Endgame, and shit. What else? Star Trek. I don't. I, well, I wasn't super high grossing, but like, oh, good lord, good lord, that that girl makes that girl makes bank. <laughs> oh, one small complaint. She's the communications officer, right? Yeah. So there's a scene where the saucer isn't separating. So then she just goes off to do it herself. She just absolutely beats the crap out of these thrones. Whereas, like, they have a <laughs> like no one could kill them other than Captain Kirk. But, like, they had, like, a massive, like, line of dudes just standing on a bridge with rifles. And they're just shooting at these guys, and they can't kill them. And then the crawler just poops down, just knocks a guy off and shoots a laser beam through all of them. And they just fall domino style. And then you got Uhura here just kicking ass. Why don't you just make her go fight all the drones, you know? Like, I was just like, come on. Come on, you can't you can't have like these power levels be so different. You know? <laughs> One second, don't DBZ like, this. Don't try to justify it. Uh, the, one of the problems with all three films is like they don't they don't know what to do with Ahura because what is she gonna do? <laughs> she's the communications officer. She's a communications she's, officer, but she's also one of the most OP people <laughs> in like the yeah. entire show. Her power level is through the roof. <laughs> like it's like Super Saiyan level four right now. If we're talking about like she's secretly One Punch Man. <laughs> she is. Yeah. She is. She was also in Guardians. Yeah, yeah, that's not and, saying. And My uh, Little Pony, the movie. Oh, was really? She, was she in My Little Pony? Oh, my gosh. Yep. Okay, more respect. <laughs> the only thing I know about My Little Pony is that Sia is in it. Really? Which is kind of cool. That's oh, Sia, Sia. Really Sia? Sia? Yeah, Sia. Yeah. yeah. Chandelier. More like not Sia, because you know, she can't see anything because of her hair. You know, <gasps> She was in Pirates. Yeah, she was so, in Pirates. Oh, yeah. yeah, she was in Pirates. Oh, she what hated that she film. Play? She hated doing that film. Oh, Why? That it movie almost was made so her, good. It made her almost quit Hollywood. <laughs> Anna Maria? Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know why. I think she just hated the way it was filmed. It was, like, so grueling. And then she came back and made, like, terrible. like, three multi-billion dollar films. <laughs> Pirates 1 had some of the best humor in, in a movie that I've seen. Just, like, action humor. Pirates 1 was accidentally a masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. Very much accidentally. Yeah, because then the accident didn't happen again. <laughs> it was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. It's like this perfect, perfect storm of amazing cast and like the role of a lifetime for uh, J- Johnny Depp. Just this rock solid script. Like superlative performances from everyone. And such a unique idea at the time. Yeah, it was, ma- it was, was based no, off of. There was like no other like pirate movies during the early two thousands, right? At least that comes uh, to mind. No, the, the the last pirate movie was oh my god, it was like it Sinbad. Was, you know, Sinbad was big. No, Hook. the last three pirate. Yeah, Hook. there was like Hook. Yeah. Was Hook? There but was Hook like, came after, right? Or was that before? No, it was before. It was for sure before. But like all the pirate movies, for like for the two decades preceding it, had failed miserably, in spite of massive budgets. And then you have this this Pirates of the Caribbean movie that was based off of a theme park ride. 
Like, literally, <laughs> it's based off a theme park ride. And then everyone's like, what the fuck is this? But it was just amazing. And then it was amazing. I've been on that ride, by the way. Same, like, yeah. Really? <laughs> You're like, what? What? It's very confusing. But, like, that, that intro scene where he's just, like, on the mast and the ship is slowly sinking into the harbor and jumps <laughs> off of it, I was just like, that's that's a brilliant shot right there. It's beautiful. No, it's like... It's one of it's, it's one beautiful. of my top character introductions and in movie openings yeah. of all time. It's like that, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Indiana Jones, like just perfect introductions to not just the movie but the main characters, right? Yeah, you understand yeah, like, like like in five <laughs> minutes, you understand exactly who the characters are, exactly the tone of the movie, and like it sets the expectations for the movie immediately. You're like, oh, this is a lighthearted adventure. Oh, this is a quirky. Oh, Thor Ragnarok too. Yeah. Like, I like that one. Yeah, well, that's not really a character introduction because you've had two it's other not. movies to, it's like a movie to introduce yourself. It's like, like a tone. Of the Galaxy, yeah. like you get your emotional core with the first cold opening, and then like second cold opening. It's like it opens like like it opens like an Indiana Jones movie. Like you get like this dark atmosphere, and then he gets in like this crazy like creepy alien cave, <laughs> and then the music just starts playing. You're like, yeah. what? Grabs a lizard, starts singing into it. <laughs> what, what's happening? Oh, you're right. That's absolutely brilliant. Like, if you if you remember that, like, if it like impressed itself on your mind and your heart, then I think uh, it speaks volumes about like how good it is. You just understand who are these characters, what is the movie about, what is the tone, like in a couple minutes, and you just get it. As opposed to like, as opposed to Suicide Squad, where the first ten minutes okay, are please, spent please, confusing, don't talk about that. confusing, <laughs> confusing the audience. And, and then and they and keep w- introducing the characters over and over again. It's and then they have like to do a second time. round of introductions. You're like, what is happening? But okay. in a way, in a way, it's a perfect introduction because it also sets expectations for the movie's tone. <laughs> yeah, you know it's going to be bad. It's like, oh, it's going to be a mess. I get it. Okay. I'm angry watching it. Like legitimately angry. It's one of the few <laughs> movies that made me angry that I had to watch this pile of garbage. The first Star Trek movie did an okay job too, I think. It did it did all right. It introduced them as kids, right? It introduced like a young Spock and young Kirk. You're like, okay, alright. It's it's serviceable. You know, like Kirk is Kirk is driving like uh uh his uncle no, his stepdad's classic car and drives it off a cliff. Uh, young Spock is like sitting in like a faceless, v- like void of of young Vulcan children just doing math problems. Like, all right, all right, it's it's serviceable. It's, it's kind of weird. Every <laughs> yeah. day, yeah. Asian kid, life of Asian kid. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because the start of this movie, it's uh really. I didn't like it. It's like uh, establishes oh, with the little that this... little mini dudes. Yeah, I'm like, why are you making this movie out to be a joke when it, you know that tone isn't really consistent? It's more like what's happening here doesn't matter. That's what I got from the the intro, and that's that's pretty much true. I I was bothered by it at first, but like that shot where you realize they're small is so good that I kind of forgive it. Like where he rolls that like, like the the sound editing, like like the sound design, 
and just like the choice of of camera angle like to to fool to briefly fool the audience into the, believing that these like giant monstrosities like when you hear like when they're stamping down on the ground it's like this deep bass and you can hear like crunching rock and then like their 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 voices are like so deep and then like he rolls downhill and he's like roaring and then like the camera backs out and he's just like the and size of his foot pitch. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh no. Okay, yeah, I'll give it that. The way that it was shot was great, but like setting up expectations for the movie, you did yourself a disservice. Kind of reminds me of Justice League, where, you know, the criminals there, Batman mm-hmm. fights him, and it's like, oh, it's because he's gone, right? And it's talking about Superman. I'm like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to feel. Uh, I, think just, <laughs> like, I think Justice League is a much bigger mess. Am I supposed to yeah, be yeah. sad? I, I, honestly, honestly, yeah. <laughs> like, why is this criminal telling me what's happening? Also, why did this alien explode into the outlines of the mother boxes? At least it establishes the MacGuffin. It's kind of enjoyable because you like to imagine that like... The last three years of his life has basically been this. He's just like brokering weird alien like alliances like out in the frontiers. Oh, there, yeah, there was a great line of where, you know, his shirt got torn and he's like, I ripped another shirt. And then later in another scene, he's opening up his closet just filled with the yellow shirts. <laughs> it's also referencing, we're going to talk about this again in a minute when we go to our next film. It's just referencing the fact that every single time Kirk gets into a fight, he just loses his shirt somehow and he just gets shirtless. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Keep your fucking shirt on. Yeah. Like, it was great because you don't lose his shirt. You just got to rip. That's a nice reference. It's legitimately impressive how much stuff they really crammed into this movie as pretty subtle fa- fan service. Uh, like, for instance, the serial designation of the Franklin is actually Leonard Nimoy's birthday. They did they reference a lot of episodes of Star Trek in a lot of different stuff. I'm I'm not gonna really go into it because it's gonna take forever. <laughs> oh, one thing I want to mention, yeah, like they did pay attention to the detail. One thing I really liked is when Spock is going into the elevator to fight the aliens when they first board. You see his phaser switch from stun to kill. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, well, they've done that. That was my. I've done that since the first film. It was one of my favorite yeah. little details. I always like it. Yeah, like you see the little switch flip around. And you're like, cool. oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> a nice little, it's a nice little visible, like, like visual thing to tell you. Oh, now it's serious yeah. mode because it's red. People going down. Yeah, people are going down. Oh, another another thing I really really loved from this movie is this is the first time we've seen a warp bubble, and I think possibly any media. Um, where the where the Enterprise is warping, you, they've never shown that before, not just in Star Trek, but in any any series that uses warp technology. Where the idea behind a warp drive is not that they're going super fast; it's that they're warping space and time around themselves, so that from their own so that from their own perspective, the ship is not really moving, but instead the universe is basically warping around them. It's and that's how they they're achieve. Folding. A piece of paper. It's like really visually sells you on the idea because it's like the nacelles are literally creating a, a bubble of space and time. You like kind of see it rippling behind them. I thought it was just a really cool effect, and I'm glad. I'm so happy I finally got to see it. Nah, it's a shame they didn't put that much care and effort into everything else, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also it's the same technology they use in uh, Futurama. 
they have a, they have a warp drive on the uh, on their delivery ship. Futurama is a great show. It warps space and time around them. Fry is his own grandpa, by the way. Ugh, <laughs> we don't talk about that. It's the idea that uh, I don't know. It's it's a great sci-fi idea because the, the theoretically to approach and surpass the speed of light requires essentially infinite energy. So instead of that, instead of instead of going to the speed of light, instead of having a velocity, you just kind of breaking semi breaking the laws of physics and just warping space around yourself like a black hole does naturally i'm just getting mad interstellar vibes you know when he like punches the pencil through the paper murph murph they've done that explanation on a few different like they have to do that explanation every single yeah, they time do it every time yeah every time there, there's a wormhole or a black hole in a sci-fi movie they have to stop everything and explain to people. Spurs. They have to look at the camera. We travel to space. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever. It's fine. I enjoyed the movie. I, I love the performances. I just love all the actors. Uh, Simon Pegg. Obviously, I love Simon Pegg from, like, everything he's in. It just, it just gets elevated a little bit because he brings so much charm and just exceptional comedic, comedic timing to everything. He helped write this uh, this movie too. So I guess I have kind of a soft spot for it. I think that the action set pieces are okay. The the general narr- plot is whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, Idris Elba is criminally underutilized. Yeah, he's apparently, by the way, a Cockney, which is like the the super exaggerated like British accent. Like, oh, I'm a Cockney accent, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I didn't know because he's like this super sophisticated like British gentleman. And he's a cockney. <laughs> I highly encourage everybody to go out and look at some of his history because he has done some wild stuff. He has like a very expansive background. Like he used to do pirate radio and Wait, like what? all this cra- like legitimate pirate radio where they would like be on a pirate ship and broadcast a pirate signal. <laughs> like he did that. He did that for real. Brings you meaning to pirate radio. <laughs> I have so much more respect for him because he actually was, he was featured on like a Macklemore song on one of his albums. I, I got to link it to you guys. It's amazing. Well, like he's like legitimately one of the most multi-talented people out there. Like he has done so much crazy crap. Um, I'm going to have to give this movie, I think, I'm going to give it six Suicide Squads. Give it six Suicide Squads. Pretty solid. Very enjoyable performances. Like you're generally more invested in like the little subplots and like little situations and how the characters work together than you really are about um, the overall narrative thrust. It has the best dumb moment I've seen in cinema. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it also has the worst dumb moment I've seen. <laughs> so yeah, um, based off the strength of this movie, I, I kind of. It leaves me wanting a little bit more. I want, like, one more. Maybe, like, ten years down the road when we have, like, older Chris Pine and everybody's, like, a little bit on, on in the years. Kind of like how, uh, kind of like how Star Trek did The actual it. Star Trek. Yeah. Like, actual Star Trek did it like that. What do you think, uh, Isaiah? This was just, like, a very okay film for me. So, I, I would say a five out of ten Suicide Squads. Yeah. It was just kind of meh. Like, I love the actors, I love the casting, I think that they did an incredible job with finding the right actors for their roles, and I love to see, like, their relationships and their interactions in this film, but just the plot and the action set pieces just kind of weren't there for me, so the movie was just, eh. It's like, I enjoyed it, but it's not something I would, like, go out of my way to watch again, so I'd probably say, like, a five. What about you, Sam? Yeah, I think I agree. I would give it 
five Suicide Squads because I was just thinking about Suicide Squad now. Uh, he brought it up again, but uh, man, that movie was bad, and this one <laughs> has some, yeah, some some form of narrative like exposition. It foreshadows the MacGuffin from the very first scene. It uh, does a little bit of foreshadowing later on as well with the MacGuffins, with the Idris Elba being the villain in multiple scenes, and like. It's there. Like, there's some elements of storytelling there. It's just that the logic falls really hard. This, it wasn't meant to be a movie for me. It it, it should have been a, an episode in a TV show. Because, like, I love the characters so much. And I love what their interactions and, like, some moments in the film where it's, you're just going to remember it. If, like, if it was a TV show, you would have remembered the Enterprise surfing through an exploding tidal wave of drones. Like, you want to stick out. Like, remember that one time they did, did that? Like, or you remember that one time the crab lady hit the doomsday device on her head? And, like, uh, you know, you're going to remember these these moments. And, like, for a TV show, it's different because there's a lot of qu- quantity, but the quality is very varied from episode to episode, even in the episode itself. So, like, if I kind of view this as a TV series as opposed to a movie series, I'm... I will like it better because I want more. Like, I want to see these characters again. As I work up cinema, though, definitely five Suicide Squads. If I'm talking about, like, how much I like the characters and the, and certain moments in it, I would probably give it, like, an eight. Separated from this movie. So, yeah, anyways, closing thoughts, yeah. Would have been a better TV show than a movie. <laughs> um, yeah, love the characters. needs to come to Netflix streaming. <laughs> Netflix streaming, yeah. <laughs> If they did that, that'd be amazing. All right, anything else? Yeah, I think that covers it. Enjoyable, could have been better. This has been episode 16 of the Pointy Hatcast on Star Trek Beyond. Thank you for listening in. We are available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Alexa, and many more. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Once again, the email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Thank you for dropping by. We really do appreciate it. Catch us next time on the Pointy Headcast. Thanks for dropping by, guys. Stay pointy. Stay. Stay. Yeah.